And then adding to the confusion, <laughs> this empty tomb had someone stolen the bot. What, what did he, and some of his followers, Jesus actually walked alongside them on this journey on this road to Emmaus and they didn't even recognize him. And unfortunately, some of us go through life that way. You know, Jesus has been walking with every single one of us every second of our entire lives and yet we don't always stop and recognize him. Some of us haven't recognized him for the first time. Some of us have recognized him in our past and yet we've kind of drifted away from him. At all times, Jesus is walking next to us in our seven mile miracle, our prayer for you this day, this Easter Sunday is that you would recognize Jesus and accept this gift that he's given us. And we'll talk about that a bit more over this next little while. I wonder how many of you have uh, been brave enough to watch the movie Inception. And I say brave enough, I mean, it's one of the highest, just hold that uh, there, Sam. It's just one of the highest uh, grossing movies of all time. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, who uh, directed the, uh, the recent Dark Knight uh, Batman trilogy. And... Uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio um, as the main character. And I remember watching that movie about, I don't know, 18 months ago or so on. And, and, I'd, and I'd been told a little bit about it. And, and the common thread that I'd been told about it is, is it's a great movie, I think. People would say it's a great movie, I think. And the reason they'd say I think is because at the end of it, they weren't sure if they fully understood it or not. It's because it was just full of so many twists and, and there was twists on twists. And, and you get to the end of it and you think, that was either really, really clever or I'm really, really stupid or the director's really, really, but it's like, it's just this mystifying movie. And I remember I got to the end of the movie and I'm like, I'm not sure what I think about that movie. I don't, not even certain what happened. I looked up IMDb and just for a little explanation and they told me that it was about a movie about a skilled extractor who's offered a chance to regain his old life as payment for a task considered to be impossible. Well, you know, that really cleared things up. A skilled extractor, I don't even know what that is. I looked up seek, there's no job openings for skilled extractors. I don't know what that is. I looked up Wikipedia and I won't bore you with that thing. And then I figured, okay, I'll, I'll put Siri to the test on my, on my iPhone. So I literally asked Siri the question, Siri, what is Inception about? And I kid you not, this is exactly what Siri said to me. She said, Inception is about dreaming, about dreaming, about dreaming, about dreaming, about dreaming, about something or other. And I fell asleep. <laughs> it didn't exactly clear things up for me either. So not even Siri knows what Inception's about, but I can say that it's definitely full of twists, unexpected twists. And I, look, I actually really love uh, movies that have unexpected twists. I love books that have unexpected twists. You know, you're sort of confidently journeying through the movie and you're thinking that, yeah, I know what's gonna happen next and you're sitting there all smug and you're, you're elbowing your partner and you're, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, here's what's gonna happen next if you're brave enough to sort of, you know, go on public record to know what's gonna happen next and then <laughs> this twist comes and you think on the one hand, oh, that's made me look like an idiot but on the other hand, you think, well, that was pretty clever. Love a good twist. And uh, life's full of twists. Stories are full of twists. Movies are full of twists. This story about Easter, this, this, this thing, this, this, this moment in history that we every year 
pause to, to, to put under the microscope was a story full of twists. You know, the first twist in this story, this Easter story, is that Jesus was sentenced to death having committed no crime. That would have made the news. It would have made the news, and, and, and you and I, however, would have been sitting there, potentially, I'm guessing, sitting there cynically in our lounge rooms watching the nightly news, and the report comes on that, that Jesus, this uh, rock star figure of his day, has been sentenced to death. And we, you know, being occasionally being a bit cynical, Aussie kind of, oh yeah, yeah, but Jesus was guilty. You know, he deserved that. But, 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 but here's, the, here's the thing in the story. When Jesus was put on trial, he, he actually had no charges brought against him. That's, the, that, that's what makes this such an incredible twist. It's not that the charges that were brought against him were found to be true. There was actually no charges brought against him. In fact, the, the, the gentleman responsible for conducting the trial, the, the judge, if you like, asked the question of the people that had put Jesus forward. The prosecutors had said, what crime has this man committed? And they couldn't answer him. They didn't have an answer. And, and, and so you think about it, if you were one of Jesus' closest followers, which, by the way, his mother was there present, I think you might have gone into that trial reasonably confident that Jesus was gonna be let go. You know, I mean, it's, it would have been incredibly uh, tormenting to have to go through the, the, the trial. But, but, but I think I would have been, if I was one of his closest followers, I would have been pretty confident that Jesus was gonna be let off, set free, because he hadn't committed any crimes and the prosecutor said, no crimes, but let's kill him anyway. And eventually it came to where Jesus, this twist, came where they released a criminal named Barabbas, who was guilty of crimes, and set Jesus to be sentenced to death. And then this is how the story unfolds next. The soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace and got the entire brigade together for some fun. They stripped him and dressed him in a red toga. They plaited a crown from branches of a thorn bush and set it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand as a scepter and they knelt before him in mocking reverence. Bravo, king of the Jews, they said. Bravo. Then they spit on him and hit him on the head with the stick. When they'd had their fun, they took off the toga and put his own clothes back on him. And then they proceeded out to the crucifixion. Along the way, they came on a man from Cyrene named Simon and made him carry Jesus' cross. Arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill, they offered him a mild painkiller, a mixture of wine and myrrh. But when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. And after they'd finished nailing him to the cross and they were waiting for him to die, they whiled away their time by throwing dice for his clothes. And above his head, they'd posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. There's the twist. You and I could walk around today claiming we're the king of the Jews and none of us would be put to death for it. We'd be locked up, but you know, not killed. Incredible twist. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to his right and the other to his left. 
People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You brag you could tear down the temple and then rebuild it in three days. Show us your stuff. Save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. And the high priests, along with the religion scholars and leaders, were right there mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others. Can't even save himself. King of Israel, is he? Then let him get down from the cross. We'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God. We'll let him rescue his son now, if he wants him. He did claim to be God's son, didn't he? Even the two criminals crucified next to him joined in the mockery. It's pretty painful to read. I get to that part of my Bible and and I kind of want to fast forward. If any of you have watched The Passion of the Christ, you you almost want to fast forward the whole movie. (laughs) But to do that, to to, to fast forward or to skip over this, this story would be to miss why this day is so significant. This was not an ordinary day. This was not an ordinary moment. This was not a convenient, comfortable, simple, pain-free story. And in fact, I, I, I think it's critical that we regularly reflect on this story. To, 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 we'll never fully understand it. <laughs> Even the people that were there as eyewitnesses didn't fully understand it. But just to get a, a greater understanding, a greater insight into, into what this, this journey that Jesus went on in our place looked like, I think should and, and hopefully would cause us to live in, in a better response to what he's done. So let's have a look at this clip. Thank you. 
And then came the next twist. I think the uh, producers of that movie did a terrific job, but actually they didn't go all the way in portraying just how hideous Jesus looked at that time when he was hanging on the cross. In fact, the story says that the people around him couldn't even recognize him as being human because of not only the the punishment that had been inflicted on him by the guards with the whipping and picking out his beard and beating him and spitting on him and and the list went on. But then came this moment in this whole journey that Jesus went on in our place, which which actually underscored exactly what it meant to be in our place is that the story says that Jesus took all of our sins on him that, that, that there was a moment in history that where Jesus was hanging on a cross where everything that you and I had ever done wrong, and of course we were to come in the future, but Jesus preemptively, he, I mean, if, if they made a highlight reel, of everything that you and I have ever done wrong, every, every wrong thought, every wrong word, every wrong action, if they made a highlight reel of every single thing, I'm sure you'd agree with me, you wouldn't want that played on these screens right now in public. You, you, in fact, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't even wanna watch it. And yet that's exactly what happened when Jesus was on the cross. They ran through him, the highlight reel, ran through his physical body, every single sin that you and I had ever and will ever commit. In a moment in time, 
I mean, it's literally unbelievable. But this is the story. And, and, and the twist came right then, at that very moment in time, where from noon to three, the whole earth was dark. And around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus' greatest pain wasn't that he'd been beaten by men. Jesus' greatest pain that he experienced on that cross was abandonment by his father. And there's a lot of debate as to why the earth went dark, why Jesus felt that God and acknowledged that God had abandoned him. And a lot of scholars actually agree that, that the reason is that, 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 that at that moment, when the highlight reel of every sin that we've ever committed went through Jesus' body, that God made the earth dark for that time because God didn't want the world to see his son in that condition. God was protecting his son and, and, and protecting the world from having to see that at its fullest extent. But Jesus at that moment, that's not what he felt. He felt that God had abandoned him and he couldn't understand that. His greatest pain on that cross wasn't physical. His greatest pain on that cross was abandonment. But here's the beautiful news that you and I need to appreciate today. Jesus was abandoned by God so that you and I would never have to be. Jesus was separated from God so that you and I would never have to be. That's what this day celebrates, that he took our place. And then came the final twist. See, Jesus had carried his cross part of the way up to the place called Skull Hill. He couldn't carry it all the way because he physically didn't have the strength left in him, having been whipped to within an inch of his life, beaten. And so they pulled a guy out of the crowd, a guy named Simon, just some random bystander, who to his credit responded to the call, which is a challenge in and of itself, by the way. Jesus had gone on this march, this march to Skull Hill where everyone knew, he knew in particular that he was gonna be killed. The twist is simply this, that what the devil had intended as a death march, God had intended as a victory march because this, the cross was not the end of the story. Friday was not a full stop, it was a comma. Beyond the cross <laughs> awaited an empty tomb and I love it. The empty tomb was God's way of out-strategizing the devil. You think you're clever, mate? Check this one out. And the cross was left behind, not to be forgotten, but to be considered with and in light of the empty tomb. That on Sunday, there was an empty tomb. The power of sin had been broken forever. Some people wonder if it's worth following Jesus, worth putting our trust in him, worth relying on him. You know what? If that guy can conquer death, 
it's a pretty clear sign to me that he can pretty much therefore conquer anything. There's been other people, only a few, but there's been other people in history that have conquered death, but none of them under their own steam. Always with someone praying for them, but in Jesus' case, it was merely God raising him from the dead. He defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated sickness, he defeated disease, he defeated separation from God for you and I. However, there's something that we need to do and that's to respond to him. It's a gift that, that's placed before us but we need to actually take a hold of that gift. It's not an automatic transaction. You can't parent it in, you can't grandparent it in, you have to actually take a hold of it for yourself. We'll come back to that in a moment. I'll tell you, just in the meantime as well, something for, you know, many of you I know, you've taken hold of that gift, this gift of eternal life that Jesus has offered. And yet we can stray from the other things that he's conquered. We, we can forget that it wasn't just death, it was sin, it was brokenness. It, you know, some of you right now, some of you are in tombs. You may have received this gift of eternal life, but some of you may be in tombs of emotional brokenness. And Easter Sunday is a reminder that if Jesus can conquer death, he can conquer emotional brokenness. Some of you are in a tomb of relational brokenness. You've got failed relationships, marriages, kids, parents, distant relatives that were once close. Easter Sunday is a reminder to you that if Jesus can overcome death, he can overcome relational brokenness as well. Some of you, the tomb you're in is you're trying to live to please God, to somehow gain his acceptance, to be good enough, to say good enough things, to do enough good stuff in the hope that one day God will accept you. And what you need to understand is, yeah, we're meant to do good things, but we're meant to do them in response to God's love for us, not in order to gain his love for us. We're never gonna be able to please him just through our own actions, but we can respond to the fact that he moved first the message of Easter, the message of this free gift of eternal life is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. I once heard a great uh, church leader explain that this story, this Easter story, this story of eternal life is not spelt D-O. It's not about everything that we can do. In fact, Christianity is the only world religion where you're not required to do a bunch of things and tick a bunch of boxes in order to hopefully one day ascend to the mountaintop and maybe, just then maybe, to, to win the approval of this deity that you're trying to please. Christianity's the only world religion where that deity came down from the mountain and met us where we're at became one of us and said, because of that, come and join me, come and journey with me. It's not spelt do, but we do in response to God moving first. Something else that rips my shorts is that too many people make this idea that following Jesus is spelt D-O-N-T. It's just about what you shouldn't do. Don't swear, Jesus doesn't like it. Man, if that's what we boil down, the message of Jesus coming to earth, and that's the most important thing, we've missed it. I mean, swear, don't swear, that's up to you. But it's not about a list of don'ts as much as following Jesus is not about a list of do's. It's about responding to something that's spelled D-O-N-E, done. 2,000 years ago, 
it is finished. Jesus did come. Jesus did take our sins on. Jesus did take our place. Jesus will forgive us if we ask him, but the actual act of salvation, of going in our place, has been done. D-O-N-E. And we merely respond to that. One of our teams sent me through this incredible video, and uh, I think it just... uh, it spells out this story of D-O-N-E brilliantly, so I want to show that to you now.
So that's our question this morning, right here, right now. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus in response to what he first did for you, then we wanna give you that opportunity right now. I'm gonna make it real simple. Just in a moment, I'm just gonna ask you if you've never made that decision to follow him, just to put your hand up. I just, and that's just saying, yeah, that's the decision I wanna make today. I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward. When I see a hand, you can put it down. And we're just gonna pray and pray a real simple prayer and we'll pray a prayer all together. We won't single you out. I pray a prayer that's, that's a prayer of commitment, a, a conversation with God, decision to follow Him. So those of you that have never made that decision, this is the, <laughs> you couldn't choose a better day to make that decision, I think. Every day is a good day, but wow, this is a very special day. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to take this gift that He's offering you right now, and you know that this is your moment, just slip your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're gonna pray. Just looking around our auditorium real quickly. You say, yeah, that's my decision today. I will follow Jesus today from this day forward. Take that gift that he's offered, this thing that we're celebrating, remembering of him coming to earth in my place. Just slip your hand up real quickly. I don't wanna miss anybody. Okay. Pray another prayer just before Louis comes up. Many of you, I know your stories and you've made that decision to follow Jesus at some point in your life. I made that decision when I was 21. And uh, something of this story, something of this day has resonated with you that you know you're in a, you're in a tomb in some area or areas of your life. And Jesus is, Easter Sunday is both a reminder to you that Jesus conquered death. It's also a reminder to you that he conquered everything else as well. And it may be a physical thing that you're struggling with. It may be an emotional thing and maybe relational. I wanna pray for you right now. So just slip your hand up. If you've got something that you know that you're in a tomb and you need some breakthrough today, just slip your hand up real quickly and you can put it down and I'm gonna include you in that prayer. Fantastic, who else? Just, yep, great, great. Who else? Just quickly say, yeah, I don't, I don't know the prayer. You know, God knows. This is your prayer. I'm gonna pray with you right now. Fantastic, who else? Just say, that's, I recognize there's something good on you. There's something that's in my life that's behind a tomb and this day is your reminder that if Jesus can break through of that tomb from the dead and come alive, that there's nothing else that he can't conquer in your life. If you're committed to him, put your trust in him, choose to follow him. Choosing to follow him is not a once-off moment in time. It's an everyday, in every way decision. Those of you that raise your hands, let me just pray with you right now. Jesus, we thank you that you conquered death. And that serves as a reminder that you've conquered everything else with that. Sickness, disease, relational brokenness, emotional brokenness, financial brokenness, whatever these things that we're dead in the tomb of, Lord, the people that have put their hands up, we present them to you right now and we remind ourselves and we claim your promise of victory that the things that we're in this, these, these tombs of, Lord, the devil would want them to be a death march, but you remind us that this very day that you will turn them and 
can turn them and will turn them into a victory march, that yours is the victory and ours is the victory in you, Lord. It's not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people coming to life in every area of life. This gift of salvation, this gift of eternal life that begins here and now, not sometime, somewhere, somehow, but here and now. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.